0: This, this,
1: this is 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 fight disciples.
0: We are gathered
2: here today
1: for the fight disciples. UFC and boxing talk.
0: On today's show, your friend and ours, Gareth A. Davis, has been hanging out with serious superstars.
3: Well, when I turned up, when I when I went and sat with my mate Triple H for five minutes. (laughs) 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 Um. I, I, heard he oh. called
4: you, I heard he called you over for an autograph, Gareth, is that's
3: that correct? It,
0: that's he, it, No, well, he called me over
3: because he said, man, I used to have hair like that, and I said, yeah, and I'm five years older
0: than you. Nick is dreaming about the direction Conor McGregor may go next. Floyd, man, what are you asking me about yeah, that for? Nah, Floyd, I mean, <laughs> money, baby, I mean. show me the money, baby. And we have to celebrate that amazing video that Joe in Ireland created, celebrating the new king of New York.
2: New York, what's up? The McGregor Show has arrived. Yeah, straight out of Dublin. Now I'm down in Tribeca right next to De Niro. You got a fucking gift, McGregor.
1: You're listening to the Fight Disciples Podcast.
0: Welcome to episode 50 of the Fight Disciples Podcast. Look at that, that's quite significant. Seeing as that we're talking about UFC 205 and a significant night for the UFC in New York City. For us to have a significant podcast number, I think that's quite special. There you go, celebrate it. Just take a moment. There we go. Let's move on. <laughs> it is episode fifty. Thank you so much uh for downloading. Um you can if you don't subscribe already, please do so by going to fightdisciples.com. You will never miss out on any of our weekly content. And I'm 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 saying this from the bottom of my heart that you should subscribe to us because if you if you missed out on last week's bite-size fight breakdowns. Uh, for the championship fights at UFC 205, then you missed an opportunity to make a few quid. Because me and Nick, we went through the fights, we made our own predictions, and within the predictions, we didn't just tell you who was going to win, we told you how they was going to win, and it was, do you know all this Mystic Mac stuff? Sack Mystic Mac! What you need to be doing is Mystic Disciples. That's what you need to be getting involved with right now. For example, yeah, when we was talking about last week's uh, fight between Djudryjek and uh, her mate Karolina. See how I avoided pronouncing that second name again though, good yeah, there, you Good lad. Yeah, good lad. The battle of the Polish girls. This is what I said last week. Johanna to win, but I'm going to go uh, distance. Unanimous decision. That's where I'm going to go. Yeah. Can't get more accurate than that, can you? Or can yeah. you? Can you get more accurate than that?
4: Thinking him, might be Check to, out yeah. what
0: Nick said about the big
4: one between McGregor and Alvarez. I think he stops Alvarez. He stops him in the second round. A left hand, and then ground and pound. Left hand, drops him with the left the big left hand. Jump He's going to jump on top, and he's going to beat him until the ref, ref stops it. And we've got history, baby.
0: That is some serious voodoo shit going on right there. <laughs> I've just, do you know something? I checked the odds. The first one, unanimous decision uh dryjack, wasn't major. All right? You could probably get about eight to one on that because a lot of people were saying that maybe Polish pride, blah, 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 blah. But um, a second round finish, Conor McGregor, um, and if you have described it with actually a knockout, or a TKO, or something like that, like you did, you're talking sixteen between anywhere between sixteen and twenty-two to one. That's a decent return, mate. Not half. Well done, uh, sunshine. If you, and
4: if you think we were we were divided over the welterweight title fight yeah. as well, so you could argue that we got them all. Yeah, you could argue we should have really said or we should have really gone right. You know what? Then let's call that one a draw. Imagine that for a triple.
0: Oh, mate, absolutely sensational stuff.
4: Yeah, I've got to be honest, I'm feeling rather smug today (laughs) in the studio, kind of sitting back in my chair, you know. I've seen that one coming, yeah.
0: So for anybody that ever slags us off saying these two don't know what they're talking about, look at that, (laughs) look at that. We just nailed it, absolutely nailed it. Bang on the button there. Um, One thing that we weren't, though, we weren't in Madison Square Garden which I'm a little bit jealous about because our guest on today's show is obviously a, a good friend of ours. We've worked with him on many different um, um, media platforms. We actually cover his programme. When he's off doing his thing, we cover his programme on Talk Sport too. The Fight Disciples go in and help him out whilst he's doing that. I'm, of course, referring to Gareth A. Davis, who is not, no longer in New York. He is... Um, a little bit further south in Las Vegas because he's on the ultimate lads holiday. He's been to the Pacquiao (laughs) fight, he's been to UFC 205, and now he's off to Kovalev Ward at the weekend. But we're going to talk to him about UFC 205. Me and Nick caught up with him for a little bit of a chat about the atmosphere in New York at the weekend.
1: You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast.
0: The atmosphere in Madison Square Garden looked absolutely unbelievable. We were following you on social media as well. And uh, some of the videos that you were posting, some of the atmosphere with the Irish fans around uh, Times Square and all that, just looked absolutely incredible. Was it as good as it was portrayed to be?
3: Well, when I turned up, uh, when I when I go, went and sat with my mate Triple H for five minutes, <laughs> <was really> <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, I,
4: I heard he you know, called you. I heard he called you over for an autograph, Gareth. Is that's that correct?
0: It, that's it. No, well, he called
3: me. Man, I used to have hair like that, and I said, "Yeah," and I'm five years older than you. you know? <laughs> um, and and, and um, no, so to, to answer your first question, no, the, the atmosphere—it oh, was—it was very was really interesting because many of the journalists, or writers, or fanboys, or anyone to call the huge phalanx of media that were there from the world. Uh, but it really was a global um, kind of gathering. Um, very, very few of them had ever covered a, um, a fight at Madison Square Garden. Having covered boxing there myself, I knew mm-hmm. that it's not quite the same as a big Las Vegas fight with, with say, I'm um, saying, McGregor here, obviously headlining, and, you know, a lot of Irish there, because people tend to kind of mass and conglomerate in one casino in Vegas whereas in New York you have everyone dissipating outside the venue mm-hmm. and just going to different bars and places around the city so you don't really feel it mm-hmm. yet in the venue itself Madison Square Garden there's almost a, a dust in there that that comes out of the I don't know that comes out of the I don't know the ceiling or something and it's an electrifying atmosphere in there when you've got high tension and expectation you know there's going to be drama and the place is full um, it just creates this incredible atmosphere. And I was saying to them, all, you know, to other journalists, all along, you've got to wait for Saturday night because the weigh in was quite a good atmosphere. And we yeah. didn't have the same crazy, crazy hordes of Irish fans coming over. It was more of a moneyed group. It was, a, it was expensive to get tickets. Mm, yeah. um, you know, and Ant- tough. Expensive and tough.
4: You know? yeah. Sorry, right. Nick. They were. They were, weren't only expensive. It was tough, you know. I knew a lot of people that had the money, but just couldn't get their hands on them. The proverbial yeah. rocking horse, uh, rocking horse, doo doo.
3: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And it was an amazing atmosphere in there. From it seemed to go very quickly all night. Um, mm. all the way up to um, Jelena Andrović and um, and Karolina Kavalkovich. Um, and. and because those girls went at it for five rounds, it kind of just really slowed the night up. And yeah. it was an exhausting fight watching them fight. And I, I was very, very impressed with Kavalkovich or Kowalkovich. Um I, I thought the, um, the the angle she created, the damage she created on Johanna yeah. um, made for a fascinating fight. And, and I was disappointed for her that she couldn't get that finish, you know, mm. when she did hurt her. Um, but the night slowed to that point and it was almost like there was a lull and people started to feel a little tired because it was, I think it was about midnight by then yeah. American yeah. time and then we had, you know, the, the, the two title fights which I'm sure you've got questions about as well, you know?
0: Tell them Americans to suck it up, man. We did UFC 204 with you. That was like three, four, five o'clock in the morning. It's midnight? That's nothing. We'd have loved that. Yeah, <laughs>
3: well, just, in, in all honesty, by the time we'd finished uh, the whole night, and done the press conferences and five fighters came out and did them separately as they now do them. And mm. plus Dana White. Mm. Plus sitting around. I did a I recorded um a round table with uh with four other journalists for, for Talk Sports, which because you guys were very familiar with Talk Sports yeah, yeah. and have been on there yourselves, of course. Um the the you know, I think it was I think it was six AM I was getting into a cab to go back to Brooklyn where I was staying. So it was an all-nighter in many ways. Um, but, I mean, it, it, you know, that incredibly stacked card. I mean, Frankie Edgar and, and Jeremy Stevens was yeah. kind of yeah. a cracking fight. Yeah. I mean, you know, Frankie Edgar is just so, oh, he's just so lovable. He's brilliant, so isn't lovable. It?
4: Absolutely it's brilliant. So I can imagine a crowd went ballistic then, local boy, you know, from Jersey, so.
3: They really did. They really yeah. did, Nick. They, they really did. I mean, Yoel Romero, Chris Weidman, a brutal end. Yeah. And, 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 it, and it wasn't until the replay, because of the weird angle of the knee. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, it looked like he jumped over him, you know? And yeah. when you were there live, it wasn't until
3: the replay that, that you got this incredible gasp from, yeah. from the crowd. I mean, there were so many good fights on the night, and I thought the, 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 two, the last two fights, though, oh.
0: um
3: you know, I thought Woodley was so amazing in in, in, in as much
1: as he...
0: How did um, he survive that guillotine? Round four is probably one of the most... I w- I'm going to say that that is the highlight for me of the whole night because it got me out of my seat. I was at home watching it. I'm thinking, when's he going to tap? Has he yeah. tapped? Is he going to go? Yeah. And he just wouldn't go. And you're thinking, he's got about two minutes to hold on here. It was unbelievable yeah, yeah. to see. It was,
3: but, but it, it was also... It was just the... The, the horrible kind of mismatch in styles that it was, and yet they both had their tactics so spot on. Yeah. It was utterly compelling. Woodley, because I spoke to Duke Rufus after his, his coach, his striking coach, and the patience that Woodley shows mm. for a man who wants to get stuck in and let those hammers land, mm-hmm. to sit back and move and move and move and wait to throw the right hook and the right counter over... Thompson's left the whole time was just brilliant and yeah. you know I think the danger for Tyron Woodley and I, I had it a draw myself in fact mm-hmm. you know by the end of it I just thought we've got to see this again because it was I didn't think it was was a clear you know it, it wasn't clear who'd won that fight I'm so mm-hmm. glad they're going to fight again yeah. but um I think the problem for Woodley is that Thompson can change his game plan so much more and I think for Woodley he's got to fight the same way again to beat this guy,
4: you know? Yeah, I think so, but then obviously if Woodley was to land another you know, that when he when he took Wonderboy down it was a completely one sided fight. Yeah. Completely one sided.
0: I think if he'd have yeah. wrestled more, I think he'd have yeah. took him out.
4: Yeah. But credit to Wonderboy. Yeah. There was a reason why he didn't wrestle more. Yeah. Because he couldn't get of close course. enough yeah, to yeah, yeah, yeah. Woodley's tactics, gal, if you touched on it then, was that a bit of like a was that like a a, U, a UFC version of Rope, if you like? <laughs> you because know, he was <laughs> yeah, back yeah, to the fence he's... circling up, you know. It looked like he was a wounded animal, but he was kind of sucking Wonderboy in.
3: No, he definitely. And and I think what he what he did so cleverly was um well I think there were two strands. One was I get you in close. If I can get you in close enough and go under your strikes, I'll I'll take you down. Um, and once he was down, like you say, you know, he commanded those rounds. Um, and secondly, he worked out through the fight that say, because if he punched with Woodley, and sorry, if he punched with Thompson, punched through him while he was while he was striking. Yeah. He was likely to hurt him more. The other thing was that Tyrone Woodley didn't get caught by one single head kick in in that fight. And that was the key Mm. to him retaining his title, albeit uh, a majority draw. But I I think um, afterwards, I I just felt like (sighs) I wanted McGregor to fight Tyron Woodley for the welterweight (laughs) crown. Because (laughs) I put this caveat in with with, with, uh, Conor McGregor saying that I felt that he would win the fight. He'd win it within... He had to win it within 12 minutes because the engine that Alvarez has is so strong. His will is so strong. But, you know, pop, 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 left-hand angle, pop, pop, pop. These guys can't see where McGregor's left hand is coming from. Mm. He's so adept at moving and creating angles. And I I'd say I had this caveat that I thought, if McGregor didn't get rid of Alvarez, he'd have to get, really go to the trenches. Were you not staggered, both of you? At the ease with which he handled oh. Eddie
0: Alvarez. It, it, I, 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 at the time, I was disappointed with Eddie Alvarez, but I've watched it back three times now, and I, I've just got to take my heart off to Connor because, as you just said, Gareth, he's just he's just unbelievable. He's getting better. And I, Nick uh, touched upon it on our show last week. We haven't seen the best of him. You you guys saw him at Cage Warriors when he was fighting at 155 pounds, and he stepped up a level. At the weekend, it was <laughs> it was a punch perfect masterclass. It was unbelievable to watch. Yeah,
4: that was a, that, he, he, that's the best Connor we've seen yet in the UFC. Yes, no but question. Nick. I had a feeling no. we were going to get that because we've seen him weight drained, we've seen him ballooned up in weight, we knew this was yeah. going to be his best. And then when you looked at the statistics as well, he had the height advantage, the reach advantage. Eddie was always going to stand and bang with him, mm. play right into his hands. I think Connor was absolutely sensational. But Eddie, it just looked like a man against a boy, Gareth.
3: Yeah. Yeah, it did. It reminded me... It made me think back to um, how quickly he dealt with Jose Aldo. The shock of um, um, Marcus, was it Marcus Brimage in Sweden uh, a yeah. couple of years ago? Brimage, the shock yeah. of Marcus Brimage on, on his face when he kept being hit by left hands. Um, the, 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 the way he sliced up um, Chad Mendes with his mm, left yeah. foot. Um, Dennis
4: Seaver as well. Dennis Seaver. I've
3: never, I've never seen Dennis Seaver submit and be scared. Yeah. Um, he looks scared on his face. And, you know, you've got... The only person that's really stood up to him is Nate Diaz. And, you know, he's you know he's lost him and he, and he beat him a second time. But the one thing I would say about Conor, and this is where it gets fascinating right now, is that I think through his career, I think he's won... I think there's six belts he's won or something you count every little belt that he's mm-hmm. won. Mm-hmm. And he's never defended a title. That's no. <laughs> yeah. um, um, and I think that's a significant detail because um you, you, if you if he's almost on the run in a way, you know? But yeah. we've reached a point now where he's got to defend. I think lightweight is his weight. Completely. I think... You know, I think, like you say, he's, he's pitch perfect at uh, lightweight. Khabib Nurmag- Nurmagomedov was there. I still would argue that he might be the number one. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? It wouldn't surprise me to see that left hand of Connors really hurt Khabib Nurmagomedov as well. And he, you know, again, he was very good on Saturday night. He took Michael Johnson's punches. But I think the problem is with, with Nurmagomedov. Once... Once he got, if he could get Connor to the ground,
0: yeah, it's over.
3: And he does bull rush, and he's very clever at it. Then, you know, it could be a it could be a really boring fight. But There seemed to be the sense with Connor after the event that he said, "Ah, oh, he's only fought once in eight years." <laughs> <laughs> um, he's not exaggerating at all, is he? But um, you know, he seemed to be steering away from wanting to fight with Khabib And And the other thing is, when you look around and you talk to people. People don't want someone that's going to suffocate Connor in a fight now and take the belt away. People want him to keep the belt. Yeah. So I, I really don't know who is going to fight next. I mean, I don't know if you've got any ideas, um, but it, it's it's a difficult one to... He's not going to go back down to featherweight, I don't think, and defend no. against Jose Aldo because he's comfortable. But, um, you know, it should be Nurmagomedov, but who knows at this moment, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. Um, and Coach John Kavanagh's actually been vocal today on uh, social media saying that he wants Nate Diaz Part 3. The fans would probably want well, Nate Diaz Part 3, wouldn't
3: they? Yeah, I mean, I, I was with Nate on the Friday night to Nick outside a hotel for a little while. I I did my kind of, you know, boys-in-the-hood picture with him <laughs> and I looked like <laughs> a stupid mad uncle to be honest. <laughs> uh, um, oh, it's awful. Um... Yeah, I mean, Nate said he wanted he was there for the trilogy. Um, Nick said he'd be coming back in February. He's been doing he's done four triathlons this season. Mm. Um, and Nick was funny though as well because he was saying that you know, oh, my girlfriend's getting better than me at triathlon. Lovely kids, um, they are absolute superstars. When they're walking around in New York, they're jumping in and out of the limos, and there's just yeah. crowds everywhere. They they are a credit to themselves, yeah. and I think to the sport sometimes they do things wrong. You both know what I did about bottle throwing and all of that. I mean mm. I'm sure you agree it's just wrong. Yep. Yeah. And it's and hopefully I thought we were gonna get an apology from Connor McGregor and as he said um, you know afterwards, you know, I've said a lot of things over the about a lot of people in in the last couple of years to get to this place and, you know, I just wanna say, you know um,
0: <laughs> basically <laughs> F you guys. That's what he said. He said basically F you. That's what he said. <laughs>
3: was coming and just said oh, I
1: regret
0: none of
3: it <laughs> so um, no it's, it's, listen it was an absolute privilege to be there it amazes me actually that no one's ever won belts concurrently in the UFC I think there were guys that were capable of it in the
4: past yeah um. BJ and Randy of course they, you know, they, they both yeah. had won different weight divisions but BJ was made to give up his belt mm. to go and challenge for the welterweight belt because that was always kind of the UFC's policy there but as we know there's, uh, things have changed since Conor started there and what he was earning
3: well the great thing is now for McGregor um, um, is that you know he really is Ireland's greatest sportsman um, and living sportsman and he I mean Dana White walked out of there I mean I went to grab Dana at the end of the event and Say you know I thought it was, it was a great event I didn't know he was coming to the press conference and congratulate them and our friend Mark Ratner was there as well we had a big hug in the middle of the <laughs> arena and you know, because as Nick will know, with Fighters Only, I think I've written about 15 columns over the years on New York yeah. getting mm. um, sanctioned. So it's a great, great to see those guys get their moments, because I know how hard they've worked. Mm. And had we not had those people, the oh, likes of Lorenzo that. Fetita and Mark Ratner and Dana White, we, you know, they've worked so hard um, to, to get New York to, to sanction it. And Dana just said to me, that kid, he said, I've never known anyone like it. He said, he's like no one else we ever thought." He said, after he won the belt and I was in the ring with in the octagon with him, he said, I'm just wondering now about who I want to fight next. And he said, No one says that. Yeah. That, he, that Conrad said to Dana, he said, No one says that. The kid's talking about who he's fighting next the minute after he's beaten the guy. And <laughs> the world is oyster now. As I said, I sat with Triple H. I don't know if you saw the story I did yesterday that the, that the WWE are opening the doors for Conor to come yeah, to so have know- an event. Yeah. Um, and that went, you know, fairly viral yesterday. I mean, I, yeah. As I said, I sat with Triple H for five minutes and he said he's the complete package. I'd love him over. A lot of my guys are 200 pounds these days. You don't need to be a 300 pound giant anymore. Mm. What does Connor walk around at 180? He said, I'd love him. He said, he talks, walks. He's a he's complete package. And, and do you know what? It wouldn't surprise me. This is what I'm thinking at the moment. It wouldn't surprise me if Connor lets people like made of and Tony Ferguson scrap it out and they win an interim belt he steps away for a year his, to, you know to spend some time with his newborn in, in, in April May with, with yep. his partner pregnant partner Dee who's a lovely woman I think and, um, and and you know they battle it out and he does a WWE
2: in the <laughs> middle of next year
3: to just drop 10, $10 million dollars in bank accounts yep. what are yep. the UFC going to say you, no you're not doing it they can't No, they, Ron,
4: they let Ronda do it they yeah. let Ronda do it So. so
3: and I love the fact he's forcing the hand of the UFC in terms of saying, I want a percentage stake in it. No one, no one so far, I think, in the history of the UFC has, has, has had the package no. that, that he's got. If you roll Chael Sonnen into Anderson Silver, if you had Chael Sonnen's personality and Anderson Silver's fighting <laughs> style, analogy, you probably yeah. got Conor McGregor. And I've never it. said that before, and I probably do think that now.
4: Yeah, that's a great analogy, yeah. I think that's spot on.
1: This is the Fight Disciples podcast. Subscribe now via the iTunes store.
4: See, I like what Gareth was saying there about Khabib. It's the fight that makes sense. It's the fight that if you were ringside in New York and you you kind of watch Khabib perform against Michael Johnson, you come away, you think, yeah, yeah, he's the one contender. You know, Connor kind of shimmied in front of him anyway. He's the only guy that's going to fight for the lightweight title. I kind of disagree. I kind of disagree. It will happen. I can't see Connor's Connor's team wanting to put him in front of Khabib. Hmm. But I did take a little bit from that Khabib performance against Michael Johnson. That I thought, aye, aye. Prior to that fight, I thought Connor. Gets ragdolled by Khabib. It's you know it's a tough, it's the toughest matchup out there for Conor McGregor. But watching that fight against Michael Johnson, now I know Khabib was ace at him. I know he performed well. at Kimura, finish he got it in the third round, second round, complete domination. But you know in that first round, Michael Johnson was landing left hands, and he was landing them regular as well. And I Mm -hmm. thought, if Conor does that, is the same? You know, is he going to be able to sugar off? Is he going to be able to walk through it? Because Conor McGregor, if you with the left hand, as he proved again at the weekend with Eddie Alvarez boy you're going down and you're going down heavy and I thought in the main fight with Alvarez when he caught him with that first left hand midway through the first round and Eddie went down like every other opponent that Connors beat in the UFC who's finished in the UFC with that left hand Eddie had the same look on his face that cat caught in the headlights look that's like oh my god what has just hit me and I think if he hit Kameeb off with that left hand, he'd have
0: exactly the same look on his kite. So, what's next then? What's next for, you, for Connor for you? Floyd, man.
4: Are asking me about yeah, that for Floyd nah, Mayweather <laughs> nah, money, nah, baby?
0: Show me the money, baby. Listen, he's obviously, his big announcement at the weekend, he, he wanted to make an announcement within the octagon. I think that was quite obvious. Yeah. Um, but then he got a little bit distracted because he wanted that second belt. They got the second belt. Tyrone Woodley, what a that lovely belt. fella. I, both belts should have been ready. Yeah, what the
4: hell is going on? But what
0: a lovely guy Tyrone Woodley is. You know what I mean? Yeah, They've yeah, had a little right, bit of altercation throughout the course of the week and he helped him out by sorting him out with his belt. And by the way, uh, Tyrone Woodley, is a fight disciple. He follows us on social media and he liked a few of our tweets over the weekend as well when we were bigging him up because we do big him up because you're his best mate. He's you my boy. Tyron Ty Woodley is my boy. Well done, Ty. Um, but what next for Connor? He's announced um, that he is going to be a daddy in yes. May. Yeah. Um, he wants equity of the, of the uh, UFC of which Gareth's just been speaking about there and we probably agree with why not. Call it out while you can. So yeah. what next? You've just mentioned Khabib. There's Tony Ferguson, who I'm a massive fan of. Um, Coach Kavanagh, as I've just mentioned there, he has been talking about Nate Part 3, which yep. just talked about Tyrone Woodley. There's an opportunity there because he doesn't defend his belts, as we've just been saying. Maybe he steps up to uh, 170. Yep. What does he do next, mate? Or do we not see him now for 12 months?
4: Well, I don't think... Well, that's a good question, actually. I don't think we're going to see him for at least six months. But the fact that, as, as Gareth's just revealed there, he was actually saying to Dana in the octagon, I'm thinking about who I'm going to fight next. Maybe we're wrong, maybe he is going to be back in there a little bit sooner than we may have imagined. But one name that isn't getting thrown around, but we certainly need to think about, is the interim featherweight champion, because <laughs> he's waiting to fight Connor. Connor is the featherweight champion. So you could argue Connor has just won the lightweight belt. So that kind of ticks the lightweight. The featherweight belt, he hasn't hasn't been active. You know, that world title belt has basically been frozen since Connor won it against Jose Aldo. That was back in December 2015. So, you know, a full year now, that world title belt has basically just been frozen. As Gareth touched on, Connor's never defended a belt. You know, for me, the first belt he's got to defend has got to be the featherweight belt, or he's got to give it up. But, you know, good luck to the guy who has to go and get, take the belt off Connor. That ain't going to happen. And plus, if you, if you just say, oh yeah, well, Connor's no longer the featherweight champ, we're going to put Jose Aldo in with... Uh, Max Holloway, Absolutely. for instance. or oh, you know, uh, you know, maybe Frankie Edgar. Yeah, Frankie Edgar he's back in the mix, again. man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know. But then Connor would always go, "Fuck are you jackasses doing? I've got a belt here. This is it." You got to beat the man to be the man. That kind of argument as well. So, I don't. I think Jose is still right in the mix too. I think to be honest with you, I think if you spoke to Jose Aldo, you know, I don't know how good your Portuguese is, Adam. Terrible. But if you could ring Jose Nando's, Aldo and Nando's, say, Nando's, that's
0: as far as I go. Nando's, yeah, <laughs> yeah pity, pity. <laughs> uh,
4: if you could ring, if, 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 if let's say the UFC matchmaker rings Jose Aldo, Sean Shelby, and he says, "I've got you the fight with Connor, but it's for the lightweight belt." Do you think Jose Aldo turns it down? Do a hell. I think he takes that fight
0: interesting um just before we move on to usc belfast just want to talk about uh, a few points that maybe we didn't bring up uh, with our little chat with gareth there because a lot happened over the week it didn't just happen on saturday night so much happened over the week i was pissed yeah. off uh with kelvin gastelum ah oh, missing that guy weight. man how it many lit- times does he have to miss welterweight mate what Come
4: did on. we what did we say on last week's show yeah we said you know what, what the highlight's going to be with it and we were like oh, ah yeah. you know what it's going too swimmingly. Something's going to happen. Gutted for Cowboy. Gutted Something's going to happen. I'm gutted for Cowboy as well. But you know, both Kelvin Gaston. Do you reckon he was? Ter- he didn't even turn up to weigh in. Do you reckon he was? A- he was potentially more than ten pounds. Yeah, older. yeah. That's not even trying to make weight. No. You no. Know, I was annoyed enough with Thiago Alves for missing weight for his fight with Jim Miller. You no, know, he was supposed to be moving down, he's supposed to be reinventing himself and he misses weight, but you know, he only missed it by a couple of pounds or whatever. It's unprofessional. At least I guess Miller could rehydrate and he could
0: get the fight under the catchway.
4: Exactly. You know I mean? At least they give him the opportunity to not even turn up at the weigh in because you're so ballooned and out of shape. I'm not surprised Dana White said he will never fight at one hundred seventy again. Never fight and uh, to be honest, I'm surprised it's taken them this long to do that because Gastelum has missed weight again, again and again. Yeah. And now he's now he's gonna have to suck it up because he's not even the biggest welterweight in the world. So imagine what he's gonna look like as a middleweight. Good luck fighting at middleweight, Kelvin, but you know what, you've brought on yourself, you deserve it.
0: What do you make of Misha's retirement?
4: I thought it was kinda of to be expected. I was disappointed. Uh it, it, she didn't look like the Misha Tate that you know, obviously, she didn't look hungry, did she? She didn't look, she didn't look like right, the girl that fought Ronda Rousey and no, you know, and pushed Ronda so hard. And you know, I think, I think the, the career sensational has just career, up with man. She's now an yeah. she, you know, unbelievable ambassador for the sport. Yep. And uh, you know, I think I'd like to think, anyway, the UFC have, uh, you know, are, are going to reward her because you know what. There's not a media guy who covers UFC that doesn't adore Misha Tate. Yeah, she's lovely. Because she's fantastic. With the media, nothing is ever too much. She's always there. She's always accessible. Great for us. Done tons of stuff for fighters only. Really, absolute queen. And uh, I just hope the UFC now uh, look after her, the way she's promoted that brand, because she has literally been... A real stalwart for the UFC and hopefully she gets that uh, that nice cushy office job she deserves.
0: We spoke about Conor making history. We spoke about uh, Wonderboy breathing out of his ears to survive that choke in uh, round four against Tyron. Absolutely check, in, sensational. check that man
4: for Gills. I, I was, I was so, messaging him on online on social yeah. media on Saturday night. Check for Gills. How fish. is he breathing right now <laughs> with some water worlds type shit?
0: Nah, it was unreal. Um, final thing then from me. You might have some more points that you want to chuck in the mix. Uh Michael Bispin flipping the bird to your Romero was probably the <laughs> highlight of my night. Yeah. Go on, Mike son. Yeah. Tell him how it is, lad. Give him a bit of East Lancashire.
4: <laughs> that was hilarious. That's that's Mike all over, isn't it? Let's be honest with you. Hey, but you know what, what,
0: what was amazing about it was, right? Um interpreter, interpreter, interpreter. Bispin tells him to fucking do one and then all of a sudden I can speak English. What's all that about, yo? Where did that come from?
4: Exactly, exactly. That's what I was just <laughs> gonna pick up on. Unbelievable. <laughs> But big win for him though, man. <sighs> mm. Fell for Chris Weidman. You know I like Chris Weidman. He's a nice guy. I spoke to him a few times. Again, another real humble family guy. And uh, that was a tough way for him to go on home turf as well. And you know, Gareth pointed out then a lot of the uh, UFC. Officials, the executives that work so hard for it to be in New York, and that they had their moments, you know Ratners and and Dana and the Fatitas and all that, and they should be so proud at that moment. Chris Weidman has worked as tirelessly as anybody, you know. Jordan Jordan a lot of the push years, he, he was the middleweight champ, so he was really driving this move to New York for the UFC. You know, he was really instrumental in breaking down that boundary, mm. and the atmosphere when he walked out sounded amazing. And he said subsequently, you know, he's never had a fight like like it, you know. It was just so emotional for him but to lose in the manner that he did to get to get sparked like that against Romero that, that's going to leave that's going to leave a scar you know and uh, it's going to be interesting now to see where Chris Weidman goes next you know it's crazy just two years ago we were talking about Chris Weidman being the, the greatest best. middleweight yeah. of all time and creating this amazing legacy and who the hell is going to beat this guy and now, you know,
0: he's got to pick himself up off the floor once again.
1: You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast.
0: Um, well, the action doesn't stop there. UFC 205 is, well, still in our thought process. I th- I still think it's trending on most social medias. Um, <laughs> even though it's nearly a week on now, um, all our eyes are firmly fixed on Belfast because it doesn't stop. The UFC uh, bandwagon doesn't stop. We moved towards are? Belfast this weekend, and what a fight they've got right at the top of the bill. There's some cracking fights on the bill, but I want to concentrate on my man. Gegard Musasi, the boy that I reckon should be getting a shot at the middleweight crown, he's taking on Uriah Hall, part two. Was the first one a fluke, my friend? Was the first one a fluke? Gegard tells me that it's a fluke, and I believe the boy.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Uriah Hall probably argued the opposite, but uh, it certainly seemed that way. You know, if you look at the run that Musasi's on right now. Absolute killer, you know Dan Henderson, Philippou, Santos, Letes, former title challenger. And most recently, of course, in Manchester, we were up, we were up close and personal, weren't we? When he obliterated Vita Belfort. Right in the middle of that, you've got that weird blip. He really got caught with that spin and back kick, cracking finish. It, it's a cracking it, finish. It, it really was, you know. And, and, and hats off to Uriah Hall. And you know, I've watched it in a breakdown. I did a breakdown show for BT Sport, which is on TV this week. Check that out. Uh, but I did a breakdown <laughs> on there with Dan Hardy, and he and he talked me through the finish from Uriah Hall and exactly how it landed. And Hall had been doing this spin and back high kick for so long. In fact, he he obliterated someone on the Ultimate Fighter with it. You know, he's got a long history of throwing this spin and high kick and knocking people out. So obviously Musassi had done his homework going in. So as uh Hall shown his sign, you know, they all have a little tell that they're gonna do something explosive yeah. like that. As he shows his tell to do the spin and high kick, Musasi does the right thing. He crouches down and comes in. Well doesn't Hall go and throw it to the body instead? And, of course, Musashi M- ends up kissing his heel. And, uh, you know, it w- was a shot that he was unable to recover from.
0: Are you anticipating a, a stand-up fight here? Because both boys do like yes. to throw a lot of leather. This is going to be, yeah. let's stand in the middle and let's belt the living daylights out of each other.
4: It is, yeah. And I completely expect Musashi to do exactly what he did against Belfort. Just walk him down, get up close, rough him up, throw lots of shots, not allow Hall to get space to throw those type of kicks, to throw those type of shots. But I'll tell you what, you're right. Musashi is literally... On the on the brink, especially with Weidman getting beaten. You know, the whole Romero and you know that tarnished drug thing and all that. And I know he's got that thing going with, with Bisping, obviously. Him and Bisping had a little tête-à-tête on Saturday night. But I still think, for, certainly for this market, Musasi Bisping makes more sense. So that fight is definitely not off the agenda. I think if he's impressive this weekend in Belfast, which I fully expect him to be, if he disposes of a Uriah Hall inside the distance, I think Musasi gets the shot against Bisping. So it's right there for him. So all he's got to do. He's just got to obliterate Uriah Hall and he gets his middleweight title shot for me.
0: Best thing for fans in the UK is that uh, this is on BT once again. Nine o'clock. It's a respectable hour. Nine o'clock, 9pm, 9 Saturday night. You can check that out. Masasi versus Hall 2 live from Belfast. Also on that card, just quickly... Um, one of our favourites, our boy Ross Pearson's on that card. He's taking on Stevie Ray. It's a bit of a battle of Britain, that isn't it? Because it's England yeah. against Scotland in Northern Ireland. It couldn't get more Celtic. It's absolutely crazy.
4: Exactly. Yeah, it's the Sunderland boy against the uh, against the jock. And uh, you know, it's uh, originally Ross was supposed to be fighting James Krause on this one, and mm. it was you know it was kind of a is that a weird year, Ross Pearson? Let's be honest. You know, he's been flitting between weight divisions. He's had an awful lot of fights this year. And to be honest with you, he's only won one of them. He's lost three. You know, and that's not Ross. You know, that's, it. you know, he's forever. like Much like Michael Bispin was a pioneer in the middleweight division, Dan Hardy in the welterweight division, Ross was been the British pioneer in the lightweight division, the, the lighter divisions. Obviously, he won tough, you know, and, and he was really someone that was pushing the boundaries for British fight fans, but now he finds himself in a situation against Stevie Ray that he's fighting just to just to prove he's the best lightweight in the UK or from the UK, whereas that was kind of unheard of. Ross has always been up there and everyone else has been down here. N- now, if he loses this fight against Stevie Ray, I tell you what, I don't know where Ross goes. It's been a weird year for him, I say. Personally, it's been incredible. Him and his wife, Crispy, Christy, who fans of the UFC will know, yeah. is a ring card girl. They've had a baby this year. Life couldn't be any better. Maybe that's what it is, Adam. Maybe he's just taking all these fights. This is his fifth fight this year. Maybe this is he's taking all these fights because, as we both know... Pampers, mate. Pampers their, cost money. Fucking nappies, aren't <laughs> cheap. But it's not doing, not doing his career any good, i will say. One, one win out of four so far in 2016. Pressure is on Ross this weekend. No pressure on Stevie Ray. Stevie Ray's fighting the guy that everyone's aspired to be for so long. All the pressure's on Ross Pearson. If he doesn't beat Stevie Ray this weekend, he's no longer the best in the UK. Never mind the best, you know, European, Brit, whatever, in the UFC. So, man, it's a tough one. Tough fight. Can I, I, pick, can I pick a fight of the night? Go ahead. Uh, okay, so I just want to quickly on the prelim card, my tips of fight of the night, my boy Neil Siri on his final ever fight in the UFC. He's an old man like me. He's fighting Ian McCall, flyweight top-ranked flyweight, guys ranked three or four in the world. Series of guy, you know, his record, when he first got into the UFC, everyone was going, what? What's this guy getting in for? His current record is 16 and 12. Goes to prove, once again, that records mean nothing in mixed martial arts. This guy is one of the most entertaining fighters on the UFC roster, period. And this is his last ever fight. It's in Ireland. He's a Dublin boy. It's in Belfast. But he's been rewarded with this opportunity against the guy that's ranked number three in the world. It's incredible story for Neil Siri. You know, do I think he'll win? I think it's a massive ask for him to beat Ian McCall. But he's adamant. If even if he does win, he's adamant that he's going to quit. This is his last ever fight. He's never. He's not going on, regardless of the fact he'll be top ranked. He's walking away from this fight. That for me is going to be an absolute belter. And I'm also going to pick out the other flyweight match, Horiguchi versus Bagatinov. If you're watching this weekend, look out for both those guys. Two of the best flyweights in the world. That's an amazing fight. Expect fireworks.
1: This is the Fight Disciples podcast. Subscribe now via the iTunes store.
0: Now then, just before we clear off, I know that we pride ourselves on our own social media. We pride ourselves on this particular podcast. And we have a very high opinion of ourselves um, and we think we're what we provide is quite decent for fight fans. However, I've got to take my hat off to another provider of some amazing content last week. Everybody saw this. It went crazy on social media. Um, I've got to take my hat off to the guys at Joe in Ireland who created that video, uh, The McGregor Show. You've seen this. I've seen this. Let's just kick back mm-hmm. and finish the show with this piece of art. If you've not heard this... Stop what you're doing. Pay full attention. This is brilliant.
2: (laughs) New York, what's up? The McGregor Show has arrived. Yeah, straight out of Dublin. Now I'm down in Tribeca, right next to the Nero. You got a fucking gift, McGregor. I'm the new Sinatra, and since I made it here, I can make it anywhere. Yeah, they love me everywhere. Just a life on Chrome, then who knocked out every other sucker? Now I'm here on Broadway. that slap got the head off some poor fucker Here to take that belt. If you haven't heard, I will feel your wing. Catch me in the garden, swimming in my millions, cruising down Ace. Drop-top roller, driving past that bull is in a Corolla The best in the business, face of the fight game Everybody wants around with me to get a taste of fame I salute the others with a finger in the sky On the hardest hit, 145 Who the fuck is that guy? Brother, you'll be knocked out You can talk to referee, tell by my attitude That I run this town called New York The concrete, concrete jungle where dreams are made, made. Will make you feel brand new. Big <laughs> lights will inspire you. Let's hear them from New York. New York, New York. I run this motherfucking town. I'm gonna wrap one belt on one shoulder, the other belt on the other shoulder. And you're gonna need a fucking army to come take them belts off me. <laughs>
0: the greatest thing that I've seen on the internet fair play Joe in Ireland absolutely amazing awesome stuff it's on our Facebook we've shared it on our Facebook page if you've not seen the video it's even funnier when there's pictures next to it as well go and check it out Uh, listen thank you so much for uh, subscribing to the podcast this week there'll be more action for you um, on next Thursday's show as we go back and review everything that happened in Belfast over the weekend hopefully Masasa can come through that and maybe set up a fight Uh, with Michael Bispin. Follow us on social media to get involved in the conversations at Fight Disciples on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram throughout the course of the week. Have a great weekend.
1: Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes.